You're listening to Kiss My Aesthetic, your go-to podcast for bragworthy branding, marketing, and entrepreneurship advice. I'm your host, Michelle Winterstein of MKW Creative Co. Let's dive into the episode. Greetings and welcome back to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. It's Lauren from Bemuse Studio again. Welcome back. Hi, thanks for having me. It's been a minute and so much has changed. (laughs) So much has changed and I've never gotten more DMs and questions after a podcast episode than yours. Really? Oh my gosh. Everyone was like mind blown. I was so intimidated by it. I feel like now I have the green light to try it. And it's wild that when I interviewed you, I hadn't even tried Midjourney yet. (laughs) I was like, oh yeah, I'll give it a go. And then I talked to you and I was like, all right, I need to give it a go today. And then I think I didn't sleep for like four days straight. I just started going for it. Generally how it goes. Yeah. So let's talk about since we last chatted, I'm going to look up actually when that episode dropped. It was episode 117 and it came out two months ago. It literally was only two months, Lauren. Wow, dude. Some YouTube I was watching the other day and they were talking about like, that's how wild AI is, is it moves so fast and so slow at the same time. It's like, what is time? What is time? Oh my gosh, it's only been two months. I know. That's insanity. But let's kind of like run it back from where we left off to where we are now. Obviously, like I've been a huge proponent of MidJourney, ChatGPT, all the AI things, because I immediately saw the use case. And the first was San Diego Open. We just wrapped the Open on Saturday by the time we're recording this. I had the marketing director on, the director of the tennis center, and we talked all about the campaign and about how much he loved it. And was like, this was like just really creative and I think it got people's attention. So obviously I'm loving everything about it. But let's kind of like, as if people could access our DMs back and forth to each other every week, (laughs) let's just kind of hit on like some of the main topics we've been chatting about. And then there's also just like huge breaking news of within the last like literally 24 hours that we want to touch on as well. But kind of let's try to cover as much of our tracks from the last two months as possible. I don't even know where you want to start. (laughs) Yeah, I would say, where do we start? I think, honestly, I was so excited and just like moved being able to see how you brought that to life with the San Diego Open. Like I tell everyone about it as like such a great use case because of the buzz that it was bringing because a picture of a million tennis balls in the ocean, obviously there's going to be people that are going to have issue with that. And so to be able to say, look, this isn't real. We didn't go and, you know, create chaos and have an insane photo shoot that costs tons of money. Like we were able to do this and we were able to create a groundswell of people talking about like, look at this imagery for this event. And like, I mean, it's just so cool. And even like just watching everything you did with it just made me so happy and so excited to see how we can really start bringing this. It was just the most fun because I think what AI does for me is it it gives me an opportunity to materialize what I see in my head. So like I can explain to somebody like, oh, wouldn't it be so cool to do a campaign where like the beaches were covered with tennis balls, but it would be immediately shut down because there would be no way to actually produce such a thing. And then to be able to actually do that and to create a whole myriad of images in like the matter of a few hours that were ready to go. We did it for all of our posters, our banners. Then I went and had physical tennis balls made with the logos on them. And then we're using those. Then I went to the beach and like filmed content of the tennis balls on the beach of like four of them, not 400, but to kind of connect what you perceive to be real versus what's actually real and like blur the lines. And it was just so much fun. It's just an absolute social experiment to see 
people's reactions, but to get them talking about tennis, I think it definitely was effective in that way, which was just the most fun. Yeah. And I think that raises like a really good point around you still as the person doing this and working with the AI have to have that creative mind. I mean, you don't have to, and it can obviously supplement that and help you. But for the people that do, the people like you and I that really are the creative thinkers and the ones that are like, oh my God, what about this idea? And all you need is just something to spark it. That's why I love both ChatGPT and MidJourney or just AI in general is the ability to just be like, here's a bunch of ideas. And you're like, oh my God, what about this idea? And if we did it that way, and like, that's what I am just like so passionate about when it comes to AI, because I do think there's so many people that have this idea that it's, there's no creativity. It's taking the creativity out of the process. And it's, to me, it's like, it's only just magnifying it and supercharging it because you really, really are just able to do whatever you want. And as soon as you think of the idea, you can go and execute on it. Like, Oh, what I was doing the other day was just so fun. And I was coming up with concepts for an idea. And then I would check with ChatGPT and say, okay, if we actually wanted to make this happen, can we look at budgets? And it would literally break down like what it would be. And then you can go to the client and you can say, look, here's how we could do it this way. Here's how we could do it this way. There are options. Like if we really want to go all out, let's do it this way. But here's the price. You know, it's crazy. Yeah, I think the biggest thing it's helped me with is kind of I'm considering these AI tools as like a co-collaborator. Like it's not so much that it's a replacement. It's just a way of me almost cloning myself, duplicating myself to cross check my ideas and my concepts so that I am delivering the best quality product. And I think if you think about it like that, it's not a replacement. This isn't a tool to be like, oh, this used to take me eight hours and now it takes me 30 minutes. It's like this is the thing that's going to get you to your end goal faster, but it's not a replacement for taste or design. And I think where people get stuck, people that aren't creatives, that don't understand that, they assume that you're going in, you're putting in a prompt, you're getting your perfect result. And you do such a good job of illustrating this on your social media, how many iterations, how many drafts, how much fine tuning goes into it. And I think the last time we even screen shared and like went through it together, you opened up my eyeballs to a whole bunch of functionality I didn't even understand, which when we talked that day, that was the first day that you could like expand and zoom out. And that was only like a month ago. And we were like, holy crap. So it's definitely more than just like putting in a few keywords and getting a result, but kind of crafting and fine tuning and adjusting. And I think creatives were trained to do that by default because that's part of our creative process, right? Like you start with one idea and you're like, nah, that's a shit idea. I'm going to scrap that and go over here. And then what if I mishmash this with that? But it's not like you just open your laptop and boom, the first thing you make is a perfect logo. Right. You know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's something that, you know, when I am trying to show examples of something, of course, I'm going to have to be like, okay, here's a prompt and here's the thing you get out of it and here's the next steps. But it's like, it's not, of course, I'm not just taking the first image that I get out of there and then saying, here's my final product. Like, that is not it whatsoever. And so having that creative thought process and being able to go through that is really important. However, what you're saying about, you know, me showing you all of these like fine tuning and how many iterations it does take, that is currently like the way it is in MidJourney. But with Dolly 3, it sounds like they are trying to say like, it's not going to be as difficult. And it really is going to be able to be very natural language prompts. And if you can explain it in the best way, which again, is my point is you still need to have that creative vision 
but it's not as like, ooh, this much weight on this word and this much on that. Like you're going to be able to really get there easier. So I think it really is going to open up the doors to even more people that have the vision in their head and just need to get it out. Right. So let's rewind because I think we're, I want to talk about the Dolly stuff for sure. But I think the image weighting specifications, different parameters for your images is something that if you just listened to the first episode with us, it's something we didn't touch on at all. So I want to make sure we give some airtime to that. But when you and I screen shared right after I'd done a bunch of the San Diego Open stuff, we started working together and you were like, wait a second. No, like this gets so much better. But in Mid Journey with Discord, you can go in, let's say you like make your first image prompt and you're saying, it's always when you're like, I got to come up with an example out of thin air. But I'll use the San Diego Open one, right? So San Diego Open's coming back next February. So it's going to be the week before Indian Wells. So we're like, we need to come up with a campaign that says like tennis returns. And the road to Indian Wells starts in San Diego. It's like, oh, I immediately know what this could look like. This is like a green convertible driving down the highway, like tennis balls flying out of it. So you can start with that, right? Start with that as your prompt. But then you can do all of these like dash, dash. There's this whole secret language that you taught me about. (laughs) And there's all these parameters that you can change. What are some of the ones that are like your go-to and how do you kind of like, if someone were listening to this episode, it's almost like a cheat code to some of the parameters. Let's kind of run through some of the ones that you go to as a default. I know what my default ones are for sure. Totally. And what's even cooler about these parameters. So there are things in MidJourney that maybe we won't get in, you know, Dolly. So we'll have to see how that all plays out. But within MidJourney, there is a way to actually take a group of parameters that you like and save it as a singular dash dash parameter. But the ones that I go to are always going to be aspect ratio. So I always want to decide, do I want this as a square image? Do I want this as a nine by 16 that I can use within stories? And then it's always going to fill the screen. Or do I want it four by five to fit in the higher portrait image size for Instagram? Or am I making YouTube? So then I want to, you know, go horizontal. So always making sure that I'm choosing what my aspect ratio is. And with parameters, it's always dash, dash, and then lowercase, it always has to be lowercase. It's generally like the first letter of whatever the parameter is. So for aspect ratio, it's AR. And then for something like stylize, it's going to be dash, dash, S. You can write out stylize. It'll work that way too. But generally, we're trying to make things shorter. And so stylize, basically what stylize does is Midjourney has its specific amount of aesthetic. I like to call it Midjourney magic that it puts into images. And so you are deciding like on a scale of one to a thousand, how much of that aesthetic you're going to get in your image. Now, the higher the number, the more gorgeous, beautiful, aesthetically pleasing your image is going to be. But the further away from whatever your initial prompt was, it's going to get. So you really have to kind of figure out like, where is that sweet spot? And when you're just using it on default, you have a stylized set to 100. And so that's, you know, from zero to 1000, it's only set at 100. I like a sweet spot of like even 40, because I feel like when you go so high, And when you're in version 5.2, we can get into versions another day. But when you're in that version, the stylize is very, the higher the number, you don't want to get that high. (laughs) Right. Especially if you're doing things like we're doing, which is bordering on believability. So I feel like stylization is kind of, 
photorealistic, right? This is your spectrum that's going to say like, is this a photo or is this not a photo? Is this a painting? Is this not a painting? Versus just getting things that are like totally wackadoodle. I like still like a stylization of like 250. For me, I like that unbelievable bordering on whimsical kind of side. But we talked about how between stylization and also chaos, which is my new favorite filter, that those two filters or parameters really allow you to kind of develop almost like your signature. So I talk about this. I taught my mom how to use Midjourney. She's an interior designer and she's been using it like crazy, but she's been using it for like mood boards to like show textures inspired by like if she's designing a living room that looks like Tulum, right? She's like, show me knolling mood board of textures that you'd find in Tulum. So that might spark some creativity for her that would get her closer towards sourcing things that aren't as predictable. She's not only looking at the samples that are coming out of the tile provider, but she's saying, oh, okay, I didn't think to do you know this combination with that combination. And now it's getting me down the road of actually materializing this thing. But I think that the more you learn mid-journey and the more you learn the parameters of AI, you start to develop like your thumbprint, like your signature look and style based on those things, right? And based on some of your keywording is going to get you closer to what you're after. So the stylization, the other one that I love is chaos. And for brainstorming, putting that chaos filter all the way at a thousand or a hundred makes it so fun because it really basically says like, I might take like maybe a few words from your prompt and run with it, but I'm going to run with it in a direction you've never seen before. And that to me is super fun. It's an absolute rabbit hole. But like that bit of it is really still very exciting. But you're still, you have to have the taste to narrow down what's good and what's not good, right? Right. It's all about curating it. But to your point, like, so for the chaos, let me just give people a little bit quick of what exactly that means. Chaos is on a scale of zero to a hundred. And when you give it a high chaos, it's basically going to make the four images, the four initial images that you get be different from each other, not alike. So they're going to have very different layouts and concepts and styles than each other. Whereas if you have a zero chaos, they're all going to be pretty similar in their actual like layout of the image. Sure. Composition. The composition. Right. And so having that high chaos is going to change that. Now, I don't know if weird was out when we talked because there's also a parameter called weird. And so weird is different from chaos. And weird is basically just like, we're going to make your images really freaking weird. Love that. And that's on a scale of zero to 3,000. They generally say like, you don't even need to go past a thousand, but if you want to get weird, like go for it. And they generally say, add, like have a higher stylization when you use a higher weird. Otherwise it's just going to be like real weird. Super weird. No, it is. I kind of picture it like kind of like playing Yahtzee, right? Like you're putting all the dice into the cup. You're shaking it up. You're going to get some combination. Like the probability of you getting a combination where they're all ones is probably pretty low, right? So you're constantly like evolving and then you're keeping your dice out, putting it back in, shaking it up again. But you're kind of pulling that lever on the slot machine or you're just kind of leaving it up to chance that you're going to stumble upon something that you like. Something that you've done since we last talked and you've done really well in your social is share case studies of other companies, creatives, brands that are doing really well with AI. Can you run us through some of the ones that have stood out to you recently or people that you've talked to, students that have come through your program that are using it in a really fun way just to kind of get people thinking of how they can, because I feel like we have a lot of technical jargon in this episode, but I want people to realize like people are using this in their real job, like with their real clients. 
Totally. They're using it for real clients. They're also using it to get new clients and for passion projects. So for an example, one of the students in my Basecamp beta, which was my live course that I ran, created an entire brand. And she's a brand designer and she is an incredible creative in her own right, obviously. And that's what we need in order to actually make this happen. So putting what she already knew and how to build a brand and how to tell a story with Midjourney and the ability to kind of lean into the idea of virality, she created her own brand that was based on Ron and Hermione creating a bookshop and a coffee lounge like in England. And it went viral. I mean, she is all, you know, almost a million views on TikTok, I think almost 700,000 on Instagram. And it's like, that shows how the power of being able to lean into what people are talking about and their interests are in, and really be able to create something new that is familiar. Like, why do you think so many like of our top movies are the second or the third or the fourth version of that because people like the repetition, they like the familiarity. So it's like, if you can give them something that they already know and flip it on its head into something new, you, you know, just have so much potential. And so being able to see that go wild was so cool. And then another one of my students created in the course, we actually created a community. So the brief, that I gave was kind of like, we want you to come up with your own space and it can kind of be for whatever it is that you want. Maybe it's for kids, maybe it's for millennials, maybe it's for moms that want to drink wine. So everyone kind of like took their own brief and like ran with it. And one of my students, Natalie, actually became a finalist in Tonic Sight Shop's new template. And she took her entire brand that she created in the course and actually built it in to show how you can use it in a new web template. And she built this very serene location that you can go that would be for creatives to go and kind of just like zen out and like all of the music. She came up with playlists on Spotify using ChatGPT. So you know, all of the images are like a way to kind of prove like, look, just because you're using AI doesn't mean that you can't like have this natural green kind of human touch feature to the stuff that you're creating. It doesn't all need to be like robotic and feel that way. And that's not what it has to be. And so being able to see her kind of tell her story with that, and then also implementing her human design background, it's like, so cool to be able to see everyone's different processes. And that's the best part is like just it's a tool. It's such a tool. And you learn how to use it for your specific use. And it just opens so many possibilities and so many doors and so many opportunities. It's just I love it so much. It's the most fun. It's so become part of our process as well with our team. It's like now when we're working on brand design projects, and we're in the brand stock photography collection phase, mood boarding phase. I know so many people because this was me like running your head against the wall, looking at the same 4,000 photos on Pexels, trying to say like, oh my God, I've seen this photo literally everywhere. This doesn't have the diversity that I'm looking for. This doesn't have the color palette that I'm looking for. It doesn't fit the brand. So it's like you're trying to like put this square peg through a round hole where I can go to mid journey and describe exactly what I'm looking for. And one of the projects that stood out recently that we did this for was Zeppelin naming. And Zeppelin Naming's whole aesthetic was kind of this like new age, golden age of advertising, like retro futurism. 
which doesn't really exist in photography and would be really difficult to produce in a shoot. But we created all of these like hyper realistic chrome abstract architectural reflective like sky and chrome and clouds and head in the clouds and all these riffs on those things. And then I was determined to make like a 1960s advertisement of like an idea machine. So then I went all on this thing, like all those appliance ads that you think of, like the housewife appliance-y. I was like, I know we can go with this. And then also to realize that once you have the image in mid-journey, it doesn't have to stop there. Then taking it to Canva, erasing out things that you don't want, replacing things that you want. Now that we have, you know, Photoshop with the new features to do the generative fill, you really can just use it as a springboard. And I think that's where people are stopping. They're not taking it as like, this is just the first version. They're not expanding on it. And they're just like taking that for face value and then running with it when like really you can go so much farther with the images that you make. Yeah. And that's why I like to kind of lean into, and I don't know if this is why it's called this or not, but I really try and tell people like, it's called mid journey for a reason. It's the middle of the journey. Like it is not done when you come, when it comes out, like you've still got work to do, go make it even more of your own, bring it in to exactly what you're saying. And now as of a week ago, um, the 13th, I like have it in my mind. I'm like, September 13th is the day that Adobe opened Firefly out of beta and we can use it for commercial projects, which is so huge. And as creatives, we should be looking at this thing. Okay, if Adobe is integrating it into everything they're doing, shouldn't I also be, you know, we've been using AI in Adobe for a long time, whether we, you know, want to believe it or not. And you don't want to like admit that like the lasso tool is using AI. Like it is. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's also a thing of like, it depends on the quality of the input. I just interviewed these two guys that own an agency in Stockholm, Sweden, literally like an hour before this. And they were talking about how, you know, there's still things to be aware of with AI as far as like, it's only pulling from the input that it has. And it's not necessarily going to spit out the most perfect result. So if you put into mid journey, like show me an image of a headshot of a creative director, you're still going to get a white male with rimmed glasses. Like you're not going to get creative director the way that creative director can mean a whole myriad of options, right? But I kind of raised the point to them. It's like, well, as a designer or as a creative, you're only as good as your input. This is why we talk about creative inspiration all the time, why it's so important to like educate yourself on other cultures, on other food, on other types of music, on art, because you're only going to be able to pull from whatever it is you're putting inside your brain, whatever you're exposing yourself to. So if you're going to stay limited in your exposure, then your output is also going to be limited. So understanding visual communications, context, history, artwork, political science, like all of these things, tech, they all have through lines that make us good at what we do because the best creatives are pulling ideas that feel so distanced from each other and mishmashing them together in a new combination. And that's always been the case, whether you have AI or not, right? That's my soapbox. Yeah, and that's why I totally agree with you. And I think that is such like a huge piece of it is like people look at this as like, oh, we're stealing from other things. It's like, no, as creatives and as designers, that is literally our job is to go and find inspiration in different spaces and figure out how to make it fit into this space because we know that it works. Why would we say we're going to make up something completely new when we already know that there is something that's working over here? Let me adjust it to fit, right? And as creatives, like that's what is like 
the best part of this is when you use ChatGPT and MidJourney together, you can take two completely different concepts and say, put it together. And then it's like, oh my God. I mean, I want to tell you about something that I was working on. I'll tell you after this. Hit me. Because it's like, please, please, please. Kind of a big deal. So I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I should be talking about it. But the ideas that I was coming up with that I was just like, oh my gosh, how about this idea and this? So I think understanding the language and the way that you can speak, because the other thing you were speaking to was just like the diversity, right? So as someone I used to kind of, I was overseeing all of the creative at Ulta Beauty, which is like a big deal, right? When you've got all of these people that are from everywhere and are represented in so many different ways. And so even literally right before we get on this call, I was playing with a new free AI model that I found that does very, very, very realistic portraits of people as like photographs. And I didn't go look after this. I made a whole carousel of like 20 different images because it really, we're able to now get really detailed and say, who are we looking for, right? I was even inputting like imperfect skin or like scars or freckles across their face or like specific colors or ethnicities and really being able to specify and get those options, you know, plus size women. Like, yes, it's unfortunate that we have to like specify it, but at the same time, like it's not that unfortunate. It's kind of lucky that we have the ability to really say like, this is the sort of person that I'm looking to represent. And so I think it's awesome. And I also think to your point of really understanding the language and what you are actually speaking to, because for me, I was at Ulta Beauty and I was a living education around all of this stuff for a long time. So like, I understand that there are differences between different hair curl types, right? There's ABC, one, two, three, and like being able to request that and say, I want someone with a really dark skin tone and three C curls. And you can specify that and really get in on what you want and be able to have those very realistic portrayals of anyone you want. Yeah. And I think also like when we're talking about it in a branding application, so much of what we do with branding is world building. So because there are so many touch points, because there is so much, you know, your brand values and the world you're trying to create as an entrepreneur, as a business owner is about inviting people into your headspace. So if you can visualize that and you can show someone what that looks like and what that represents, then you can, there's this whole saying, like you have to see it to believe it, right? And you have to believe it to be it. You know, there's kind of that trail. So the same thing with our other client, Fit Boss Blueprint. He told me, he's like, I want my brand to look like Batman's Batcave converted to a personal gym home office. And I was like, yeah, I know what that looks like in my head. He's like, and in San Diego. And I was like, amazing. So in his branding presentation, we included images like that. And then I also mocked up an entire like HQ foyer and then was able to add the logos in there and say like, yeah, someday when you're a multi billion dollar company and you're an empire like why not why not have that fun with it why not go there with it to show the client not only that you know how to materialize that when the time comes but to kind of get them in a space of seeing and visualizing it and then also as a prospective client like for them to use that on their own marketing to say like hey this isn't real but this is like your own mind's gym like this is a way of materializing and visualizing something that is abstract. So when he's explaining his concepts about worthiness or self-worth or believing in yourself and creating habits and routines, that he has a visual to attach to that, to someone who can't be there because they don't have that, they don't see that future for themselves until they actually see, okay, wow, I get what you're putting down. You know, it's such a powerful tool in all of those ways. 
Yeah, it actually is interesting to, it just got me thinking about how, like from that perspective, being able to visualize what it could be, right? And so like having this potential, like, oh my God, I can see it by not even having him in it, but it's just like the idea of what it could be is something that you can do. But then there's also the idea of like where I just, from where I was, is being able to create images that look exactly like someone and be able to say, I do see myself in it. So it's like you have both sides of the spectrum that you're able to do now. And that's incredible. Before that, it was just like, well, here's the stock photos, be inspired. And like, that's it. Totally. But also like what an interesting mental experiment, like vision boarding we know is so important. Like instead of pulling a vision board from images that have been produced and are of someone else, and then expecting your life to look like something you cut out of a magazine, instead put yourself in the scene. Cut out the production and the this and the all of these unrealistic expectations and instead like imagine yourself already existing in that space. Why not? Like why not let yourself get there? Because I feel like you can hack your brain to get to those places. Yeah. Like where are the manifestation girlies? You know what I mean? But for real, it's like they get it. We can get it with the idea of using these like new images. I just think it's all so, so cool. <laughs> we could talk about this like as a tangent forever. And I think it's just going to continue to evolve and continue to be a case study. But let's talk about the tools themselves. Because I think one of the things you opened my eyes to was using a lot of the AI tools in concert with each other. So like have chat GPT, have Midjourney open up side by side and let the two inform each other. And then one of the use cases that I literally just came up with like two days ago was I was writing brand guidelines. And I was like, I just feel like I can't do words today. So I took the screenshot of a mock-up that I already made, put it into Midjourney, said, describe it, took the description, put it back to ChatGPT saying, here's a description of mock-ups that I made for print collateral for a real estate company. Can you create for me a paragraph that summarizes what they should consider when they're making branded collateral? And it kicked out like in a paragraph that was great. Took a few tries, but it took the visuals that I made that I know look good and I know function for the brand, took a description and then summarized it. Like that too, I was like, this is the best. And people were messaging me back like, mind blown, would never think to do this. This is crazy. Like, oh my gosh, this is going to change the game. I was like, wow. I really should have been doing this all along. <laughs> but talk to me about the tools or about how you use things in tandem or you use things to leapfrog on top of itself. Yeah. ChatGPT is my, I'm calling it my BBFF, my bot BFF, because that thing is open all day, every day. That is my go-to tool. And I would say like the idea that you had about bringing the image of the mood board into Discord and MidJourney and having it describe it, I would tell you, don't even bring it into Discord and Midjourney. I would say, bring it into Bard. Bard does a really good job of describing images, like in a really good actual descriptive way. Whereas, you know, in Midjourney, it kind of just spits out a bunch of like words. This will be like, ooh, here is like the leather bound books. And like, it'll really describe it really nice for you. Okay. There's also, if you don't want to switch into Bard, which is Google's AI you can stay in ChatGPT and use a plugin called Scene Explainer. Same thing. It'll explain the scene so you can actually like give it a link to an image somewhere on the internet and say, can you like explain what this image is? So then you could then take that and remix it on your own. So that's a really cool one. But I like to use a lot of different, like I've been very like mid-journey, mid-journey, mid-journey as like this is the only one I'm using because I had played with Dolly too 
which is OpenAI's. And it was just not there. Like it was not creating images that were good. So I'd already written it off. And then Stable Diffusion, I was kind of like, okay, I need to like look into this more because it seems like there's all sorts of models that like stack on Stable Diffusion. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to like learn about that later. But now I'm like, "Mm, maybe I need to learn about it now because I was just playing with a new free image generator that like I was telling you, it uses Stable Diffusion and it's creating really, really realistic stuff. And so it's like, if we can have these free options that are doing this, then there's going to be trouble. But I like the ability, like each of them are good at different things. So it's almost like, okay, well, I know I have this, like I'm getting my first image from here, but then I'm going to bring it in to Stable Diffusion and I'm going to do this, this, and this to it. And then once I've got that, then I'm going to bring it into one of my AI voice tools, maybe like 11 Labs. And so come into 11 Labs, I go into ChatGPT, I have it write a script for me. I drop that script into 11 Labs, I pick a voice and it reads it to me. And then I take the image that I created in MidJourney and animate it saying the stuff that I had ChatGPT write and reading it from the voice that I gave it. And it's all possible. Yeah. What I understand about AI, which is like the tiniest fraction, you take it to like the hundredth power. And I just want to live one day inside your brain. But like, there's just, I think I get stuck of, I'm not the person that seeks out the new tools until I see the use case application. And then as soon as I see the use case, I'm like, okay, yep. And then I'm in. But I think that with how rapidly things have just changed in the last two months, I can only imagine where stuff is going to go. So for example, like Polar Bear Eats, we literally just posted this today. You should go look up the Instagram post. But I created a bunch of images as if we found archival photos of when a polar bear actually went into the cafe and was taking pictures with like patrons or into the diner and was like taking pictures with the patrons at the diner. So it's in like a carousel. We didn't explicitly say that it was AI or not. I got to imagine it's already got a few comments because it just got posted a few minutes ago. But a really fun extension world building of the brand. Now, if I had like unlimited three weeks where no one talked to me, I would find a way to make that into a short film. And I would go and put a bunch of like cool filters on it and music and make it as if there was a news report of someone standing outside of the old version of the restaurant when a polar bear just happened to walk in and he was like hanging out with everybody that was in the diner. But that doesn't seem like it's that far off of a possibility because you could probably do it today. (laughs) It's not. So last, last week I found this new tool. I, honest to God, I'm not kidding you. And I deleted it after because I was a little bit embarrassed. I posted on my stories that I was like, you guys, I'm about to cry because I watched this AI do this. And I am so impressed that like, I'm crying and moved to tears. Like this thing created like a two and a half minute, like explainer video of like AI and why creatives shouldn't be scared of it in literally 90 seconds. And it went in and it made the whole thing and it had all the text overlays and you could easily just go in and change the script anywhere. It would change the voiceover. You could edit it with natural prompts. All of the videos that it uses is from like iStock or Storyblock. So then at the end, it's just like, okay, here's the price to like use these images. And if you want, you can switch out the images to your own images. It's got this super easy editor. And I'm like, oh my God, the amount like you literally can just say, make an explainer video for X, Y, Z, and this is the size I want it. And it does it in 90 seconds, Michelle. That's the thing is like, so if you, and to your point of being able to see the case studies, that's truly why I'm making 
the membership is because I think it is moving so fast and there's no way for like a single course to ever be able, every single day there's newness. So it's like, if there's a way that I can be able to, you know, every other week come on and talk about what's new, check out how I'm using this new tool. And then every month having masterclasses of try this new tool, try this new idea and really showing people, because I agree without spending the time and being able to dive in and really play with it, it is going to be more work than you know, being able to have someone to just say, okay, here's a 30 minute video I can watch. And now I know how to use it. Right. I think to make people feel better about this and to like use another example that makes sense is think about how photography, just photography has evolved in the last hundred years from camera to like film photography to digital was a huge revolution. Digital to smartphone. Are you kidding me? And now like the advancements of smartphone photography, like the technology is advancing. It's giving us more tools. It doesn't mean that just by having a better camera in your iPhone that you're a photographer. But on the flip side, now everyone can be a photographer. Now every single person can take and make images, which is great. So it's just kind of like, I think people get really overwhelmed by AI because number one, they don't understand it. Number two, they get worried about their jobs going away. We talked about this on the last podcast as well. But I think the more I've been learning about it and trying to pay attention on the creative industry as a whole is like everything that's happening with like SAG-AFTRA and the writer's strike. And like, where is that line? Because this is like a crazy train careening down the track of like, how do we use this ethically responsibly in a way that makes sense? Because, and I kind of waffle back and forth. My fear is that just because we can do things in 90 seconds, does that mean that like, we're actually getting the rest of our time back to do better other stuff? Or is it now that the expectation of output is going to be 20x what it used to be? Because a video that used to take someone two and a half weeks to produce can now be made in 90 seconds. Yeah, I think all of those are very fair thoughts and concerns. And I have them too, you know, as someone that worked in the creative industry for corporations before this and understanding like working with models and working with these artists that this is their job and they get paid to be a model and have their photo taken. And then there are the photographers that whose job is to take the photos. And then there's the wardrobe stylist whose job is to style that, like by taking away that photo shoot, how am I somehow making it so that they are losing jobs? And that's going to always be the case. Unfortunately, with any sort of new technology, you are going to lose jobs. However, there are always going to be jobs gained. So in the sense of when we stopped having painters right before photography, we were painting portraits. Then a camera came out and said, cool, we don't want to sit here for two hours and have our portrait painted because that takes too long. If you can do it in five minutes with your camera, we're down. Let's go with that. Of course, there were still people that valued the painters, right? They like that hand-done work. But for the majority of the people, they said, we're going to take up with the photos, right? And so now we lost those painters and a lot of them lost jobs, but so many jobs were made because photographers became a job film processing became a job, camera making became a job. So exactly that. And then as soon as we get into digital, it's like, well, now we don't need the film processors, but now we have people that work for Adobe. You know what I mean? And so it's like, how many jobs were created when digital cameras and photography were created? And how many jobs are created by people that are able to literally create videos on their iPhone? So it's like, it's always going to be moving in that way. We're going to lose jobs. We're going to gain jobs. I think in order to really be someone that's going to feel secure in their job is you really need to become an expert at your craft without AI and really be able to be 
up in the field on your own without it, and then you can implement it. And if you're not at the top of your field, then use AI at least to like help you get there, right? You can have it teach you things now. So I think that's really important to think about because I agree, people are mad and people don't like that, you know, maybe their jobs are going to be taken, but think about it in the sense that things are going to keep moving and it's not going away. So why not either learn how to implement it? But also like, the pendulum does swing back. Yeah, it's democratizing all. Like how many weddings are people requesting film photography for their wedding? Exactly. How many people are now investing in getting their portrait painted? You know what I mean? Like it just because one thing eclipses the other doesn't mean the other thing goes away completely. So I think you're totally right. Be an expert of your craft. Know what you're good at. Decide, are you going to use this as a tool? Are you going to stay in your lane? Like whatever it is that you decide, just know that if you don't embrace the way that things change, then you have to be very, very okay with number one, being kind of left in the dust. And number two, realizing that you're just going to have to adapt regardless. Like that's just kind of how these things go, you know? And I think with AI and I think with a lot of the writer strikes and stuff like that, it's about actors who are selling their likeness because they're an extra. They're coffee shop goer number 14 and they got paid, you know, a couple thousand bucks to be there, maybe. And now they can just sell their 3D scan of themselves and some producer can use CGI and throw in coffee shop goer number 14. That person now doesn't have to show up on set. Like, yeah, okay, they lost the job of the one-off job, but now they're not showing up on set all day. And now what else are they doing with their time? Like, can they sell their likeness infinity times over? Have they now just digital commodified themselves? Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, it's hard for me to try to like, be upset at that as a use case. And then, but I think what's going to happen is the same thing that we saw happen with food, right? Now with food, you see like all natural, organic, vegan, da, 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 da. What if all of your entertainment and all of your media had these quality verifications, right? If this is a real photo shoot, if this is real fact, if this was a real article, like who are going to be the governing bodies that like dictate what's real and what's fictitious. Because I think if you feel so strongly in your personal core values that you only want to see films written by people, filmed by people with real people, actors, then you can go out and do that as a consumer. Then you're going to have to seek out and do your due diligence to go support the studios that follow those practices. But I don't think we should then negate somebody who's an indie filmmaker who doesn't have the budget of a huge studio and doesn't have backing to go make a film that they can make from their laptop with CGI. Yeah. Who are we to say that they're not allowed to do that? That truly is like what I think the biggest struggle for me is with AI is that it is like, I don't know. It's almost like, why am I supposed to like be mad that the big guy is going to get screwed on this when it's like, I am the little guy. Like just because I'm doing this, like I am the little guy. Like I run my business by myself. And if I can continue to make money for myself and build my generational wealth, if I were to have children, but you know what I mean? It's like, if that's my prerogative and why am I going to have to like be upset? And I know that this is going to ruffle feathers and it's going to make people mad. But at the same time, it's like, I don't have unlimited budget to have my brand running. And so if I can pay $20 a month for ChatGPT, and I shouldn't say that I'm paying just $20 a month, you know how many freaking AI tools I pay for? Because a lot. Yeah. I was going to say you're racking up a pretty bill. Yeah. But when you use it properly, it saves you time and it really does create a team for you. And if I can pay for my team to be robots versus real people and I get along with the robots better, like 
why am I getting penalized for that? You know? Yeah. So I think people are going to hate it. People are going to love it. And I think it's just that's part of being in this world is you're going to have to deal with people that are not happy with it and they're going to have problems with it. And to them, I say, I see your problems. Like I'm not trying to ignore them or think that they don't exist because I think that there's a lot of ethical considerations and just all of it is there's a lot and we don't know where it's going. And, but I think as someone that is an early adopter and open to trying new things, it's like, I'm going to work with these tools while I have the opportunity to, until they tell me that I'm doing something wrong in my own being, I feel okay about using it. And that's kind of what it has to be is like, you have to decide and determine for yourself if using it is going to make you feel a certain way and working with people that use it is going to make you a certain way, feel a certain way, then that's fair. And I think that that is fine. But I do think that if you don't use it, you're going to get left behind. Yeah, And you just have to come back to your own values. That's with any conversation, right? Like you have to come back to what do you believe in? What do you stand for? What do you tolerate? What do you not tolerate? And I think that that's across industries, across history, across anything. We saw this in the pandemic, right? Lazy people are going to be lazy and productive people are going to find a way to make money. Like that's just the truth of the universe. People who are shady and cut corners are going to be shady and cut corners. People that use it for good and not evil are going to use it for good and not evil. Like there's some like harmless chaos. There's a chaotic good happening out of creating images of tennis balls all over a beach. No one was harmed. It's actually better for the planet. Nobody lost their job because it wasn't something that was going to happen anyway. So it's like, why not go there with it? Okay, so some boomers got mad. Like, what else is new? (laughs) Is the sun in the sky? Like, does the bear shit in the woods? Like, duh, that's what we were looking for. So it's one of those things of like, again, come back to your values, come back to what it is that you're using it for, come back to like, you know, don't defraud people. Obviously, obviously, these things are going to happen. And we don't know what we don't know. I think that's the biggest thing about all this like AI legislation. There's no possible way we can put guardrails around something that we do not understand. And they liken it a lot to social media, right? Like if we could rewind the clock 15 years back and put laws around social media usage, what would we do differently? But we would have had no way of knowing what was going to happen. Same thing. If I ever choose to have kids, you bet your ass there's going to be some real parameters around their social media usage. Absolutely. Because now we know too much. So it's like, hello. People I think are just too quick to just like, take a stand on too far of an end of a spectrum and then say like, that's my soapbox and I'm not making any concessions. And I think there is more fluidity than that. Especially it has to be an AI. You have to be able to like have a thought and change your thought because the way that these things work are changing every day and the way it's affecting people is changing every day. So you have to like, if anything I ever say, don't ever take that as Bible from me. Totally. It never will be. You know what I mean? It's like, this is so new. And yes, while I feel like, yes, I'm on somewhat of the cutting edge, I still feel like I'm like so far behind so many people. Like, I don't know the actual, like how it all really works, works, right? I'm a creative. I'm not a like, I went to Columbia College, not Columbia University. And it's easy to get intimidated. <laughs> it's easy to get intimidated if you don't understand it. And I think when I'm talking to my friends that aren't in this space and I'm explaining to them what they can use AI for, It was as simple as I had a dinner party. I was making pizza, Greek salad, lemon chicken, and breadsticks. And I asked ChatGPT, I'm having a dinner party for 20 people. This is what I'm making. What time should I start cooking so that everything is hot by the time I want to serve at seven o'clock? And it laid out down to the 15 minute mark. 
what time I should start each thing to ensure that what I wanted to cook was going to be all prepared accordingly so that everything was hot. Could I have sat down and figured that out myself? Sure. Was it so nice to just like plug it into my phone and have it kick out? Be like, okay, at 445, you should marinate your chicken. I was like, you got it, dude. And then just rolled with that. Like, that's the kind of thing. And so when I told people that when they came over for dinner, they're like, oh my God, you can do that. And they're like, that would be so great. Or like travel itineraries, like things that are just anything that's giving you a headache. There's kind of now an AI workaround for it if you seek it out. Yeah, especially and honestly, so more news like so today, Microsoft Copilot was announced, which means anyone that's like on a Windows machine basically has like an AI built into their entire like ecosystem. So you can just ask it anything about any files or anything within like your emails, as long as you're in like the Microsoft system. And same with two days ago, Bard, which is Google, just announced if you're not on like a Google workspace, and you just have like a Gmail account, you can turn on their like AI extensions. And basically, you can ask Bard about your docs in your Google Drive, you can ask it about like, hey, can you check the last week of my emails and let me know like what's new at my kid's school? And like, it'll just pull like, oh, so-and-so. Like, so it's all starting to all become really baked in. And we, as I am, you're a Mac person, you're an Apple person. Apple has been very like hush, hush, but they're also like, we're coming and we're building it into everything. So I imagine very soon, probably like this next iPhone or like the next OS release, like we're going to have a very integrated AI system for Apple users where, I mean, it's going to be Siri on freaking steroids. Like, I don't know what it's going to be like. I was on a podcast the other day and someone was like, what do you think it's going to be like in a year? And I was, I just laughed. I was like, how could you possibly know? How could you possibly know? There's just no way to know. They're never going to know. Yeah, no, there's no way to know. And I think that that's where like, it's still interesting to me. Like it just reminds me of being like back in college. I loved college. I loved sitting in a lecture. I love learning things, but I love like keeping up with AI news. Like I will go and check the news headlines regularly to see like, okay, what's going on? How are people using this? What are the lawsuits that are going to happen? Like what are some of the negative things? What are some of the positive things? And just kind of being aware of it. But again, it's getting us closer to like the humanness of the human experience. And it's just digitizing that. So yeah, I think It'll be really interesting. I think we need to just make a standing podcast for like every single two months just to check in because I mean, I can't even imagine what we're going to be talking about in December. Yeah. You know, it's going that quickly. It's true. It's half the reason why half of my stuff hasn't launched is because it's like, okay, well, shoot, like I was going to make a course on this, but now it doesn't make sense to make it on that because this is changing and that's changing. And so how to really like make sure that it's like, what is the core information people need to know about AI. And then once you've got that, how can you spread your wings to put your fingers in any of the pots, right? Whether you want to be using video generation or audio, now you can make music. So it's like, once you get the idea of what's possible, then you're more willing to explore the options. Because like you said, you go and look for the news. I get freaking 10 AI newsletters in my inbox every day. And each of them have at least 10 tools. So it's like a hundred tools a day. That's just like dumb. And it's like, okay, which are the good ones? Which are the not good ones? You got to send ChatGPT on an area and it's like, go through all of these and tell me which are the good ones. Uh-huh. No, I think as a third party observer of your brand and how you've grown, it's more of how I think you've positioned yourself really smartly as a resource for people. 
And I think more so than just saying like, here's the course with everything. It's like, here's the foundations, right? Just like when I'm telling a client about social media, here's the foundations of a good social media strategy, like knowing your content pillars, understanding your audience, having a consistent brand, like that's going to be true of every platform. That being said, LinkedIn is drastically different than Instagram is drastically different than TikTok. So now like it's not enough to have one social media coordinator on your team. There's no way. And I have to tell this to my parents all the time. They run an interior design agency. And my dad keeps coming to me. He's like, how come there's just not an agency that does everything? I said, because dad, that hasn't existed in like 10 years. Like a person who makes a car doesn't also make the tires and make the wheel well and make the stereo and make the bumper. No, like you're getting those from different specialists. We're just becoming specialists. Yeah, you can go to your GP doctor. How many people complain about their GP? Not my doctor doesn't know anything because every single system is so specific and there's so much information about your hormones versus your intestinal system versus what, how could one person ever understand how all of those things are supposed to work in concert, you know? So I think it's going to be the same with AI. It's like, yes, I think people will start hiring prompt engineers on their team, but you'll have a copywriter with a specialty in AI. You'll have a creative director with a specialty in AI. You'll have a photo video producer. You'll have an audio tech that's using AI as a tool, right? Because there's no way to even expect the one person that's like the AI guy or gal on your team to know everything. Yeah. It's too much. And that's why I've like even shifted was because originally it was like, I'm going to just teach brand designers. And then I was like, this doesn't make sense to only teach brand designers. The people that are good at their craft already are the ones that need to learn how to use AI. It's not like you want me to be like the AI expert of like all things AI. That's not the goal. The goal is if you're a copywriter, learn how to use AI to your advantage. If you're a photographer, use how to use it to plan shoots and be able to go to your client and say, all right, here's the plan. Now we know exactly what every single shot's going to be. We're not going to have to freaking do a reshoot now, right? So like, how can you, as the person that is already doing a great job in your field and you've got your shit down, like how can you adopt the tool to then make yourself a better version of yourself? So that's truly what it is. It's like you're using the robot tools and the robot brain to supplement. And that's the biggest thing is it's like a supplement, not a replacement. Absolutely. And then with education too, to kind of like close loop on that, I think that people are going to crave education that is more current and up to date and evolving than the education system that we have. Right. So like, yes, the things I learned when I was in college 10 years ago were great for 10 years ago. But now the stuff that I've learned is outdated. So I think that education as a model of like, oh, here's the thing. And here's how it always is like, not necessarily the case when things change this rapidly. So I think education will shift from being like, this is the prescriptive teaching to this is now a space that we're holding to have conversation. This is now a community where people are going to crowdsource from each other. Yes. You know, that's truly and like, this is a working title for the membership. So Basecamp is like Basecamp, right? Like that's where you go to start. And that's why you saying having the foundations. I plan on having the courses be called the basic foundation training Mm -hmm. so that you've got that. But then you kind of level up and you go to Cosmo Club. And Cosmo Club is where that's where we're going to have like a lot of the cool like live stuff. And I've already said, I want for each of these lives, so they're bi-weekly, they'll be I already said, bring your baby on your boob, bring your wine, bring your weed. Basically, it's like, come and chill. It's going to be a time to just like 
zen out and like learn about AI and hear what's new in the last two weeks, right? Because in two, like literally in two days, so much has changed. So it's like to be able to have this time that you like go to every other week where you can hang out and just like learn. And so I had the idea because I'm like, I want it to be like a cool, like Soho house sort of vibe where it's almost like I started playing with, I use Pi, which is a conversational AI that you have to try. And I like, when I go on walks, I just talk back and forth and brainstorm with it as if it's like my brainstorm idea partner. And so it came up with the Creative Cosmos pub because it was like, well, you have more of a laid back brand. Ah. Like it might be a little feel more inclusive because that's kind of more who you are. The pub mentality. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, I like that idea. And it's different. But then I was like, no, I still want to have it be like a bar. And so then I had this idea. I was like, what if we had bot tenders? And they were basically each week or month before we have the live, we have ChatGPT come up with a recipe for a drink for us. And then everyone makes the drink and we'll have like an alcoholic version, a non-alcoholic version. So if like it's morning for you and you're coming to join, it's like, you know, you can make it into a smoothie. But then it's almost like this really fun activity of like, we're all drinking this drink that this robot made up for us and we're doing it together. And I just feel like it's like such a fun idea to be able to like have examples of just the ease of use of these tools as simple as like being able to come up with a recipe and just being able to like chill and like learn and like not make it a scary thing. Like look, have it be something that we're like looking forward to learning about. That's what I think the future of education. In my head, like the masters of the Renaissance were doing this with each other and like the scholars in Athens and all of these, every time that there's a technological renaissance, there's meeting of the minds. These things happen. We know this. This is documented, right? Like the impressionists were all hanging out together at the Moulin Rouge. Like, let's be real. So this isn't even that crazy of a concept. It's just you're introducing it with this remix of like adding the technology into part of the conversation. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. for you. Yeah, that's such a very good point. I didn't even really think about like, I mean, I guess I did, but yeah, like it's... <laughs> this happens. Like, come on. Plato and Socrates were talking to each other. Like, we know this. They're, the Roman bathhouses existed. They just didn't have Facebook groups. Precisely. But you got to know that they're having this conversation. And like, granted, like, we don't have it well documented of the women doing these things. But let's be real. Like, women have been running this shit for a long time. The women are sitting around and having their wine nights and girl time and absolutely talking about these ideas, too. So it's not that novel of a concept. But like, there's meeting of the minds that happens. Like, duh. And we knew that, you know, Andy Warhol was talking to Matisse and talking to all these other people and musicians and Lucille Ball. And there's all this culture, art, science, everything all mishmashed together anyway. We're just doing it in a new way. And I think that we just have to remind people like history repeats itself. Come on. Totally. And I think truly, I would say that like the idea of having the communities was very much marked by your Facebook group because your Facebook group, when I got like, obviously I've been designing and everything for a long time, but when I jumped into like having my own business and like doing that, I was like, I need a little bit more help from like people that like maybe are not from the exact same path as me, right? That's one of my biggest things that I tell people is like, go and get experience first because you can't learn anything else. Like experience is the number one thing to get. So like go network, go work at agencies, go work in house at places before you try and do your own thing. So you can get that. But I just think the idea of like coming back to 
the hub, the Facebook group, the community, like coming back to a place where it's a safe space to ask questions and to learn things. What I love about the Facebook group is it gives people an opportunity to learn something that they would never think to ask in the first place. Yes, that's what I'm coming back to was that I want to be able to have all these people come here and learn from each other because that's what I think is going to be key with AI because no one knows everything. You don't have experts yet. I'm as expert, I'm using air quotes, as expert as I can be. Like, yes, I'm going to like consult and coach based on like what I've like learned and like been able to absorb and like can teach you, but I'm not an expert at it, right? I think there's no one that's an expert at this point. I can tell you I've made 12,000 images on Midjourney. So like based on like the hour rule of like, you know, 10,000 hours to become, you know, an expert in something, maybe that is the case. But I think understanding that there are new tools every day and a copywriter is going to find Quillbot and tell everyone about that. And as a photographer, I'm going to find photo room and be like, look at how we can be doing. So you're bringing in all these different perspectives from all of these different backgrounds and different roles in creative and bring them all together to be like, look at how you can use these tools. I just think there has to be that crowdsource of information for something like this, because it's so fast. You miss the stuff that is, you know, I will find something and be like, so impressed with it. And three days later, I'm like, it's out of my brain completely. And so obviously I try and get everything into like my spreadsheets, but it's the speed is just so fast. (laughs) No, it's absolutely nuts. Well, this was a doozy of an episode. So if you made it all the way to the end, congratulations. (laughs) I wish there was a prize for you, but I didn't think that far ahead. And this was also a very impromptu little recording. So thank you, Lauren, for being available. Where can everyone find you, follow you, check out Basecamp? I feel like they're going to want to. I send people to you all the time because people are like, oh, you need to teach on Midjourney. I was like, nope, go to Lauren. Like, she's your girl. Like, I just shuffle them all your way. So plug yourself so people can find you and find more information. Yeah. So you guys can find me at the Bemused studio on Instagram. That's generally where I'm hanging out and I will be hanging out. I don't know exactly when this will drop, but I'm going to have a free community as well as a paid membership. The paid membership is not going to be dropping. That's Cosmo Club working name. Won't be coming probably until the new year, but courses and community are coming in the October, November timeframe. So depending, they may be available. So just come to my Instagram and check it out. And we'll probably have stuff up on, you know, I'm going to give you the final URLs that you can drop in the link because I don't have the exact ones that we're going to use. I've got a couple purchased, but we don't know which one for sure. But yes, everything is going to be super exciting. I'm excited to have a free option for people that are just trying to get their feet wet and really just want to kind of connect with other like-minded forward-thinking creatives and creators. So that's the goal of really having Basecamp free community. And then having the courses that will really give you the foundations for using large language models and text to image generators. So that's the plan, guys. And I'm super excited. And I just my favorite thing is just talking about AI and sharing everything I find with people. So please come and join all of it. (laughs) Yeah, join everything. And then we really should just make this like a standing every two months, because then it would be six episodes a year. It's going to be so funny to listen back to this episode in a year's time. I agree. And also like, I would want you to come in because that's the thing is having these hosting these masterclasses is bringing in people. You said yourself, I need case studies, right? For you to be able to come in and talk about, hey, check out these three different projects that I did. And now we're going to be able to hear from people that are really truly using it to move the needle, which is so inspiring. And that's like the best part of it all is being like, that's so dope. Look what they did. And so I can't wait. So yes, this is your official invitation. Count me in. 
perfect. I'm all about it. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. And we'll catch you the next time that there's crazy AI, <laughs> crazy AI news. We're on Instagram as well. Follow both of us there. We tag each other all the time. Lauren's also in the Facebook group. So if you have a specific question or you're lost for some reason and you want to post in Kiss My Aesthetic, I always tag her right away so that she can kind of get you in the right direction. Totally. And I'm not on Facebook as much as I need to be, but I will be better about it. But come find me in the DMs if I don't answer. (laughs) No worries. Thanks so much, Lauren. And we'll catch you next time, guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us for the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. Don't forget to follow along and leave us a review anywhere you listen to podcasts. We'll see you in the Kiss My Aesthetic Facebook group for years and years of behind the scenes content and over 5,000 connections with fellow creatives. For show notes from today's episode, please visit mkwcreative.co slash podcast. This episode was edited by Berta Wired and theme music comes from Eliza Vera and Nathan Menard. Catch you next time. Music